Trauma Therapist Podcast, episode 520. All right, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to raise awareness of trauma and to support and inspire new trauma therapists just starting out on the trauma-informed journey. I do that with my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0, my online courses and workshops, and the Trauma Therapist newsletter. If you're a therapist of any kind and you work with individuals who've been impacted by trauma, I invite you to head on over to my website at thetraumatherapistproject.com. That's thetraumatherapistproject.com. All right, let's get started. All right. You ready to do this? Yeah. Okay. All right. So five, four, three, two, and one. All right, folks, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. I am very excited to have as my guest today, Donna Fado-Ivory. Donna, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. All right. So Donna is an ordained United Methodist minister, author, speaker, and artist. Her award-winning inspirational memoir, Sleep, Pray, Heal, A Path to Wholeness and Well-Being, tells a story of painting her way through a disabling brain injury, chronic pain, and discovering hope beyond hope. Graduating with honors from the University of California at Davis and Boston University School of Theology, Donna has dedicated more than 25 years to healing from brain injury. Wow. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. There's, it's, man, first of all, thank you so much for being here. I, I'm um, delighted. I really am. All right. Where, before we get going here, uh, where, where are you from originally and where are you located currently? I am originally from California, um, Fresno, Bay Area, and now I am um, living in the Bay Area. Oh, nice. You know I just left the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. Well, I live in Richmond. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. So, you know, it's, I mean, just, it's, it's just, I can't think of another word, but crazy that. I mean, it's so inspiring to hear, just to read that snippet of your life mm. um, and what you've, I can only imagine, have gone through. So let's break it down. What okay. the heck happened? <laughs> well, I was vacationing in Lake Tahoe and my family, we went to a restaurant and a 200 pound glass partition fell, the ceil- fell from the ceiling onto my head. In the restaurant? In the restaurant. Oh my God. And so I was taken so by like ambulance. This kind of thing? Yeah, it's the ceiling moorings at the top. Okay. And it just went boom. Oh my God. And so first impact was at the back of my skull. It uh banged on the table, smashed all the glasses, then second impact on the left, which then meant contra coup concussion. So I, I had trauma to all all parts of the brain. Because it slapped against the skull. This was in January 1994. Okay. So 27 years ago. Okay. So keep keep going. What happened? What ensued? What ensued is I did not lose consciousness. I um, I strike that up to my my baby being in a high chair within my reach, my nine month old, and I thought there was an earthquake and all the walls were coming down. So it's like, where's the baby? Where's the baby? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and then I went to my doctor three days later and they said, you definitely have a concussion, you know, take it easy. 
uh, stop nursing. You know, you can take a little bit medicine for the pain. And it got worse, not better. And they said it was post-concussive syndrome. Um, and then the MRIs, CT scans, everything was postponed or not taken seriously because at that time with our understanding of brain injury was that uh, if you didn't lose consciousness, you could not have a brain injury. Mm -hmm. So I went undiagnosed for the first nine months with inadequate treatment and rehab. Yeah, which is uh, pretty, pretty typical for brain injury scenarios. Uh, people go undiagnosed, you say, oh, well, I'm talking to you here and you're just fine. And then 30 minutes later, after movement, motion, stress, light, anything else, I would be unable to speak. So there was such a, you know, sometimes you could speak, uh, it affected my left side. Um, chronic pain affected my eyes. Um, and it's just my endurance and my ability to, to walk well. I had to start walking with a cane and then anytime I was out more than about 15 minutes, I'd use a wheelchair because uh, I just couldn't couldn't walk very well. Oh, man. So it was far-reaching head injury, word-finding, memory, oh, visual God. memory. That sounds scary. Everything. Oh, it was terribly frightening. But terribly you said you didn't get you didn't go to the doctor until three days later. That's right. Well, I went to the ER. Oh, okay. And the ER did an x-ray of the neck. Wanted to make sure I didn't break the neck. And, and x-ray's fine. I was able to answer all the questions. So they said, okay, go home. If you get nauseous or um, have signs of a head injury, come on back in. Right. Um, and so we, we got back home from Tahoe. And then my doctor, that, that was a Friday night. And then on Monday, I was in at my doctor. And she says, you have a concussion, all right. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, at what point were you becoming um, symptomatic such that you're like, oh my God, I, something is, has gone on here? Within 24 hours. Okay. I was really nauseous and achy. Well, and plus when something, the whiplash, the neck injury um, was, you know, I had a real hard time moving my neck, mm -hmm. uh, but I was laying around. So I didn't really notice much I couldn't do. And then uh, my my husband left to take the in-laws to the airport because the in-laws were with us from, um, from the South. And I realized that I was unable to call the people who were supposed to help me out from the church because I could not remember anybody's last names. Oh my gosh. And the church directory is all according to last name. Oh no. And I had no idea I had any memory problem or whatever. Yeah, go ahead. You're gone for 10 hours. I'll be fine. It was oh. like, I don't know anybody's last names. It was just, it was just erased. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. So now were you a, a, uh, a minister at this time? Mm-hmm. I okay. was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what, how does this unfold? What happened? What happened was um, I went on disability and there's a long saga of that where they think you can go back to work right. and the doctor says no, another doctor says yes, another doctor says, uh, you know, panic can cause all these things or it's, it's just uh, the, the medical prejudice that goes with it is something else. Mm. Um, so I've been unable to pastor since. 
just because uh, I have to pace myself, which uh, is really important, I think, for people with trauma when it's taking a lot of your energy. It's like pacing is, is really key. Yeah. Pacing in terms of just uh, uh, giving mental energy to something or focus to something or what? It's... Uh, that's a good mental, it's mental, emotional. Um, it's also physical. It can be such a thing as I, I'd say, so where is the brain drain? And it could be uh, too much sound. It could be fluorescent lighting. Mm -hmm. It could be uh, a moving car always puts me, you know, under the table because mm -hmm. that motion, my eyes can't track it. So that would be a, an extreme brain drain. And so the pacing, my doctor, uh, my rehab doctor was most helpful. He said, Donna, for every hour up, you need to be flat and quiet for an hour. And that is the way to heal the brain. Because if you do too much, you actually get worse with a brain injury. So that was my pacing, every hour up, hour down, hour up, hour down. And I really had about two good hours a day that I felt like I could um, speak coherently, read coherently. Um, but then after that, it, it was all a wash. And so in pacing, I would plan my days. Well, if today I go to the doctor, the next day I go to bed, mm -hmm. and then the next day I can do, so it was even day upon day pacing, and then hour upon hour pacing, and just planning out when am I going to be able to, um, when, when am I going to be able to be at my best to really know what I'm saying? Because I'm really good at pretending that everything's just fine mm -hmm. and uh, presenting a great front. And then I realize I have no idea what I just said and I am making no sense. Now, are, are you explaining kind of the acute um, symptomatology or are you talking about the way you are now? Because this has been some time, right? Yeah, it's that was um, acute in the beginning, and now it still happens when I overdo. Okay. Although I can be up much more now, and I've gone through a number of healing thresholds using uh, spiritual means, that has been very helpful. Um, and so now I stop to look at the week, and I think, oh, well. I'm having a podcast on Thursday. That means my prep is on Tuesday. So I don't do it right next door to each other. Mm -hmm. So I know that, 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 that I'll be good. But now I can really do a good two days or three days, and then I need to rest. So yeah. how did the book come along, Sleep, Pray, Heal? Well, it came along because I was, um, I would preach with my paintings. And in the, the first three years, my word finding was so hard, which just, it would just go away, that um, my spiritual life and way of prayer became painting. Because I found that I had pain too deep for words, is one of the ways the scriptures put it mm -hmm. uh, in Romans 8. And so I figured if I could just express truth, whatever I was feeling, because I knew that from having been in therapy and from my own counseling instruction and in seminary, you have to express yourself. That's so important just to, to put markers on the journey when you don't, when everything is uh, foreign everything you, you just haven't seen before. You don't know the landscape. Mm 
So I had to express myself in order to get in touch with what was real. And I did that through my paintings. And in those paintings, every time excuse, excuse I, me, yes, Donna, I'm sorry. Did you start painting as a result of this or? I had painted earlier. Okay. Um, a very, very much by pattern, learn how to do uh, the shading for an apple or a strawberry. Um, and I was interested in art when I went to UC Davis and I had a visiting sculpture professor tell me I didn't have the talent to be an artist. Oh boy. And so I put away everything and I said, never again, okay, oh, no. never again. And so I had, so I knew what to do with paints, but I had never used paints to just express how I was feeling as a form. That's a completely different form of painting than trying to make something look good. Mm -hmm. My objective was making it true to express myself because I wasn't finding the words to do it. So words were no longer working. And uh, what I discovered uh, is that any time I got something really real in a painting, it's as if there was a dialogue within the painting and it would show me something more. It was, uh, it was like a discussion. And uh, my, I define spirituality as a dialogue with the breath of God. So it's like there's this breathing in and breathing out, this, this fresh air and this air you don't need anymore when we exhale. And with the spirituality, a wisdom comes with that expression when I take it back. And um, in the book, I call it brushes of the spirit. And uh, for example, I painted an empty rocking chair with empty cradling arms because I was so upset that I couldn't rock my baby. And I was losing out on her toddler years because I was in bed all the time. And I painted that and I didn't know how to get that grief off my shoulder because a couple years later, it was just too heavy to move. And what happened in the process of painting this prayer, like I call it rocking lost, finally, it was like that weight moved here into the painting. It was like, yeah, this is a memorial. This is where you can touch it, you can remember it, but you no longer need to carry it with you. Um, it was just profound. And in the book, I think there's 12 paintings uh, that just had a profound response to show me the way of healing. Every time I painted it real, it was like, well, what are tears? You know, are they a sign of weakness and failure of not counting your blessings? Or are they um, holy waters at work? And for me, all of a sudden, tears became beautiful. That was a change. Or healing is not returning to normal. It's integrating, becoming whole. And so all of these have a painted prayer and a poem um, that I learned through this stage. So it's a journey, finding a path to wholeness, but doing it through painting prayers and just becoming aware that there are brushes of the spirit that just... Uh, like butterfly wings and, and just lift you up or lift me up. It was like, oh, it's almost like a very intuitive uh, movement of the spirit that then would surprise me left and right in the last part of the book is creating a new, uh, to start forming my life anew as a person who lives as a whole healed person who has a brain injury and chronic pain. That's different than saying, I'm never going to return to normal. I'm never going to be healed. But it's like, no, I am whole. 
and in uh, for my theology uh, as a Christian, and that's what I've always been interested in. It really formed my theology and and let me say, hey, yeah, Jesus talked about wholeness. Wholeness and healing are same in Greek. It's like that's what I need to be, just whole, integrated into a whole. And so, um, yeah, it's just a great things happen. Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code THETRAUMATHERAPIST. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast, and don't forget to use the code the trauma therapist to get 15% off your first month, make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. I love that um, kind of sentence you said about healing is not kind of returning to normal. It's becoming whole. That's right. How did you get to that understanding? I, that's a painted prayer I call broken gifts. And it was the two year anniversary of my head injury. And my attorney said at two years, we will take it. We will file in court because we we will consider with brain injury, which is a lot of unknown that what you have to after two years is what you'll have forever. So that's Mm -hmm. then when we'll sue. And, um, and the whole thing that, it ended up not even it. Well, there's a lawsuit terror story too, but um, I was facing at the two year point of my head injury, seeing all these broken gifts of my abilities that I just, they're not going to heal. And I had been trying so hard for so long to do everything the doctor said and expecting healing to go back to normal and uh, to look at the books that were at Barnes and Noble or on healing and on pain. It was like, just get your head around it and you can make the pain go away. It was like, no, I have chronic pain that I get a stabbing pain in my head every time I'm up and moving too much. You know, don't tell me that I can change my mind about living with this because it's real. You know, the chronic pain is is real. And so what I did is I I took these gifts from Africa, um, uh, eggshell that broke in the suitcase. Uh, My husband, Hubert, went to Africa. We'd always planned to go Africa and raise our kids there for a little while. and that's his psychology, East-West psychology and Afrocentrics is his, uh, his thing. And uh, I couldn't go with him. He went without me and he brought all these gifts. You know, every single one of the gifts he brought back broke. Every single one. And it was at the same time as the attorney was saying, oh, two years, what you've got is what you've got. And not only were the gifts broken, but everything about me was broken. So I glued these 
broken gifts in the shape of a cross. And I just painted around it. And I said, here, Lord, I just give you the broken gifts. Um, and I have a poem about it that I list the broken gifts, you know, not being able to care for my children on my own, uh, not being able to walk fast or ride a bike. Um, and all those years of schooling seem to be for naught now. And as when I glued those three-dimensional broken ostrich eggshells onto the canvas and the light shone, I just, I painted in the shadows. Because when you shine a light on something that's three-dimensional, it casts a shadow. And uh, it was on Good Friday that I changed the position of the light because um, Jesus was on the cross for hours. The light would have changed. And I painted those shadows a little different color. And I was painting the shadows of these broken gifts of the cross. All of a sudden, there was a new being, a, a person being born in the shadows of the broken gifts that were just out of the shadows. And for me, it became both crucifixion and resurrection, uh, that this is new life, but it embodies the brokenness. Uh, the broken shells are a part of the new life. And then as staring at that painting, I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. Healing stories, wholeness, it's wholeness. It's not returning to normal, it's wholeness. This is resurrection. It's not going back before crucifixion, it's crucified on the cross and becoming whole in new life. Um, and at that point I could say, yeah, I'm disabled, I'm healed, I am whole. Because uh, that's what it's about. In a way you seem to kind of epitomize resiliency. I mean, it's kind of astounding to me, and, and it's really inspiring to me to, to listen to you uh, get to this point. I mean, there, I'm curious if there were moments yeah. where you were like, this sucks. I mean, I, I, I'm, there's no way that I'm going to be able, you know, I'm just curious how you got to that point where you're talking about. Yes, I can be whole. I don't need to be back to normal. What I, that struggle? What was that? Talk about that a little bit. The struggle is real. It does suck, and I think because I had um, a lot of horizontal time that I was just laying quietly and and praying. Um, and not necessarily with words, sometimes just with breath and then painting my way through it. Um, every time I painted something true, sometimes it was that this just, I can't stand it anymore. I cannot take this. And then I'd sleep for a week and I'd come back to that same painting and it would show me a new perspective. Hmm. So I think because um, it wasn't just going to a therapist weekly, which I did. The painting, it was like, when you're ready in your time, take a look at this again and see what you see. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was, and sometimes I, I'd say, I'd look at, I'd just watch paint dry, which is really boring. And it takes a long time. I was like, wait a minute, those tears in that painting, they're beautiful. Why am I so ashamed of tears? Why is it such a bad thing? And so it was sort of like this dialogue going on all the time. Um, and, and so I think this, the, the resiliency for me came from a faith-based. 
because I knew that in my faith, um, in my relationship with Jesus, who I wouldn't put on anybody to just say how meaningful it was to me personally, um, is that I knew that he did not run from suffering. And so I had somebody as, as um, a companion, a spiritual companion, when everybody else was gone, who could just stand by me in my pain and in my suffering. So I wasn't isolated in that because my faith um, gave me community of support, spiritual support in um, being in the depths the, the depths of pain and suffering. Let me just reintroduce you here. So I'm speaking with Donna Fado Ivory. The book is uh, Sleep, Pray, Heal. And uh, we'll have a, that linked up at the show notes page at the, at the podcast.com. So, you know, Donna, pe- a lot of therapists, coaches, survivors mm-hmm. listen to this. What do the therapists out there of all different types, what do they need to know from your journey in this whole thing? I think what they need to know is that there is a wisdom beyond ourselves that can be accessed. I believe in all religions. Um, That is... uh, that is more of a community of therapists that rather than just one person. Um, and and that, uh, that wisdom can really support a person who is isolated in trauma. I think that's, because um, when you go to the, the different, uh, the doctors, and I've been to many different doctors and, and uh, therapists, I think one of the most helpful thing in my journey was in the hours that I wasn't seeing a doctor, I wasn't seeing a therapist, I was up in the middle of the night alone and nobody was around. Mm. Uh, My uh, faith was what really um, helped me in those times when nobody was around. And and that's that's a beautiful thing. And that gives you resiliency. It gave me resiliency. Yeah. Do you feel that your faith became stronger or more solidified in a way? Or how did your faith change as a result of this experience or as a result of, yeah, the the, the trauma? Well, um, one way it changed is that I became less of an intellectual theologian. Um, And I enjoyed theology. And I chose the pastoral ministry because I really wanted to more of a heart, um, uh, a heart way to to put my energy in and to grow in the heart, not just the mind, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But all of a sudden, no matter how much I figured it out, Figuring it out isn't going to work with a brain injury. It just doesn't work. There's, there's, uh, there's glitches all over the place. You're never going to get the answer right, period. So let's start from that position, 
right? And so then my faith became the, the brushes of the spirit as a way of, of uh, breathing in, breathing out, and knowing that God's going to move and show me something to notice. It became very much more mystical um, from the, the Christian mystics um, in terms of like having a manager for my day who does a better job at calendaring than I do because I'm always mixing up days, you know, or flipping things around. And so my faith is, it's much less institutional, I would say, um, with an appreciation of the scriptures and the Bible, but especially uh, the spiritual bodies that are a reality um, that engage with my own emotion, my own heart, my own mind, and are able to, to lead me to healing. Because I've had profound thresholds of healing past no doctor would ever expect, mm -hmm. and nor did I. You know, I, I worked, I relied on narcotics for 17 years. I needed a cane to walk for 17 years. I used a wheelchair for 17 years. If I was up and walking too much, I don't use any of those anymore. Oh, my gosh. 17 years is a long time, Yeah, you know, but what happened is I became more and more in tune with the brushes of the spirit and the spiritual processes for dealing with trauma and injury. I just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I was like, wow, there's a reason why so many people uh, have been involved with religion over the years, uh, because there really is a treasure there. All right, Donna, as we wind down here, um, I mean, aside from your own book, obviously, yeah. which we'll, again, we'll have linked up, but uh, what book recommendation would you offer, whether trauma-related or not? I think um, I would recommend, I had two in mind. I'm going to go with Ellie Wiesel's Night and Dawn. It's a two-book, very slim paperback series. Um, I had a, a, a life-changing course with Professor Ellie Wiesel at Boston University mm. um, on suffering and faith. And it informed how I understand suffering and faith. And Knight is his own uh, writing about himself being in Auschwitz. Mm. And from a, a Jewish perspective, but also, uh, you know, where is God in all of this suffering? And it's just such a powerful story that that sees trauma from a, a different perspective and a different religion, but yet so much the same too. Um, so those are two books that I've opened many times that I'll never give away. Awesome. Well, you know, listening to you talk, it, it really made me realize um, I, I could hear and then it's almost in a sense, feel, feel your journey. And I, you know, I referenced a lot, your, your resiliency mm -hmm. and um, you know, in, in doing that, I didn't want to uh, give a backseat to all the, the suffering or the slash struggling that you've gone through, but it, it, you know, the way you talked and, and the way you spoke really reminded me of a lot of the therapists I have on here who have been, doing therapy for a long time and come to this realization that one of the vital aspects of, of working with people who've been impacted by trauma is not 
how much they know or, or what they know, even mm-hmm. but that, that connection, that, that almost mystical relationship mm-hmm. in a sense that that's being formed in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I, I just want to say, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. I mean, just, it feels like we're sitting down across the table at it each does. other. It's kind of it's amazing. It does. I want yeah. to ask you, what kind of paints do you use? These are uh, my acrylics. Okay, acrylics. Cool. Um, and uh, I do have some oils, but uh, mostly acrylics and oils. And see, I, I have them in the wall so yeah. that I don't lose them behind each other ah. because I'll never. And I and I they make me happy. Awesome. <laughs> well, they make me happy too. <laughs> uh, Donna, thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, right. guy. We'll be in touch. Okay. Thanks. Bye.